Joining me now, Bill English from BibleandBusiness.com. Welcome back, sir. Hey, thanks. Good to be back. My personality is so bright and shiny, but it has a really dark side. That, that is not a dark side. No, no. <laughs> it is. It is. I make I make plans, and yeah. um, uh, I don't maybe always communicate those p- with perfect effectiveness with everyone else um, who in these days is also making their plans in the same small shared space. Well, that's more of a communication thing rather than a control thing, don't you think? I don't know. I don't know. Help okay. me out this morning. Talk with us about leadership um, in the midst of crisis. I know that um, our leadership has like these these positive sides, but each one of those positive attributes can show up in a really negative way or, you know, in a negative tendency. So can you walk us around in this? Yeah, I'll walk you around in this uh, and everybody else a little bit. This is a a, a concept that was developed by uh, Dr. Hogan. He developed the Hogan assessments. They're used for executive consulting, for leadership assessment and development, that kind of thing. I'm credentialed to administer those tests. And um, his concept is that we have, each of us have a set of strengths that are very useful when stress is low. And when we're paying attention to ourselves, that's probably the best way to put that. But that when stress becomes very high or we, or we become distracted or, or unmanaging ourselves uh, is, is another way to put that, um, then the strengths turn into what he calls derailers. They, they actually injure us in our um, uh, relationships more uh, than, than the strengths uh, help us in those stressful times. So for instance, somebody who's usually in a good mood, uh, you take that good mood to an extreme and they start to come across as really excited and probably highly dramatic, something like that. Or if they're usually calm in emergencies, uh, you put them under a lot of stress, they may become so calm that they become lethargic and then people lose confidence in their leadership because they're, they're not taking things seriously enough. So you can take any strength that any of us have and put us under stress, and chances are that strength elongates into a derailer, and it actually injures us more than it helps us. And so there's literally hundreds of strengths that each of us have um, uh, collectively as a group, and maybe five or ten per person, and uh, we have to be aware of what we're like under stress, and a lot of us are under stress right now. And so that's that's how I conceptualize it, and that's how I look at it. Uh, you, you know, Carmen, you're going to find that pastors go through this, business leaders go through this, um, parachurch ministry leaders go through this, leaders and families go through this. Everybody is going to uh, face this in one way or another. And there's a dynamic relationship because um, if I am – a person who's a member of a congregation, you know, I am a sheep of an under shepherd, and my under shepherd um, has, uh, he, you know, his his way of leading under stress does not meet or match up with my sort of felt need for how I want to be led in in or under uh, pressure or under crisis. Same applies, like right as I'm uh, as I'm working right now in a very different way with my employer. Or for those who, um, you know, who are feeling like their boss is not necessarily leading right now in a way that gives them confidence or courage, 
That's because there's a dynamic relationship between the way a person is leading and the way that a person has a sense that they would desire to be led. And that, that would be correct. And the outflow of that is that the person who is being led will tend to make a negative evaluation of the leader based yes, on that, that one. In the, in the church, we used to call that these sheep bite. <laughs> I've never heard that before. Um, <laughs> but but you, you were a pastor, you would know. And uh, But the problem is we, we sum up the leader's entire persona in that one uh, negative assessment. And people are far too complex to sum up in, in one negative assessment. And we do this all the time in our political discourse and uh, many times in our religious discourses. I, I, I can't tell you how many pastors I've heard sum up Paul uh, in one or two words because he wrote this or he wrote that, or they sum up Peter's entire life because he wrote this or he wrote that, or we sum up God's entire thinking on something because of something that was written in one part of the scriptures. We tend to be very reductionistic in our assessment of very complex people and complex problems. Okay, that um, we should pull that as an audio clip because I do think you, we do exactly that, and none of us wants to be reduced down to any no. one um, attribute or aspect, and certainly not in our worst moment. Correct, correct. But that is leadership, right? Uh, that's one of the undeniable truths I have in leadership is that you have to risk being misunderstood. And that's, that's a kind way of saying that. But yeah, leaders have to be willing to be misunderstood in order to lead because people are going to be reductionistic in how they view you. That's really good. I've written that down. All right. I want to talk about, um, you know, maybe some, some very specific things related to leading through crisis. Um, you describe them as having some like narrow or negative tendencies and then, you know, leading in terms of broad approach or present versus long view. So let's return to those in just a minute. Let's take a very brief break. I'm talking with Bill English. You can find what we're talking about today at BibleAndBusiness.com. We'll be right back. Continuing my conversation with Bill English, you can find what we're talking today at BibleAndBusiness.com. Um, Bill, we're all living in the midst of this crisis. We're all feeling the pressure of it. What could leaders be doing better, and how could we as Christians better respond to them? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. We have three parts to this. By the way, for those who are interested, uh, this part of our discussion here on air is taken from the Harvard Business Review article that was just recently published called, Are You Leading Through Crisis? Or managing the response. So uh, the first thing that I think we're seeing is that our leaders on the national level are becoming narrowly focused. Whenever you're faced with a danger, you tend to hyper-focus on the danger. That's just natural, right? Uh, but they're focusing uh, solely or primarily on the danger of the coronavirus, and they're really focused on um, uh, in a word, they're, they're, they're very narrow. I think what, the, what they need to do is to be more broad. They need to pull back and look at the mid-ground and the background and take a more holistic view of the situation because there are some real opportunities here for us as a nation. 
if we just face into those opportunities, however injurious COVID is going to be to us, if we take advantage of those opportunities, I think as a nation we can come out stronger and better on the other side. And so as we focus on COVID, the economy, and the health, which are really the three things uh, people are focused on, a holistic view would include the natural tendencies of people and our hyper-individualistic culture, by the way, uh, to see how we can better respond and maybe open up parts of the economy more quickly rather than just having a, a, a single decision there. I'd like to see Christians here include God's perspective in their discourse on COVID. What is COVID really happening? Because God wasn't surprised by this, right? God didn't come along and say, oh, my heavens, where did this virus come from? No, he knew this was going to happen um, since the beginning of time. He's not surprised. And so what is the what is a Christian response here? A Christian response is going to include God's perspective and the long-term good that can come out of this. If it takes a COVID to bring America back to bowing its knee before God, is not COVID a good thing? I think from my perspective, I would say yes. Yeah, and that falls into the, you know, certainly God is working all things together for his good and the good of those um, who love him and are called according to his purpose. It, it certainly echoes the reality um, of the life of Joseph where, you know, God is going to take what what many, 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 many people experience as evil, and he is going to use it for good. We just can't see it necessarily right now from our perspective. So when I think of the way Christians um, need to respond, should be responding I do think that that bringing perspective is a huge role we have right now in the culture to bring perspective, to offer peace of mind, to demonstrate a confident trust in God, um, to not be the people who um, who just fall apart in the midst of this, but that, you know, we point to the firm foundation upon which our lives are constructed. And we say, even in the midst of this storm, Christ holds this anchor holds. Yeah. Yeah. And Christ, he may be sleeping in the boat. It's fine. It's really fine. Yeah, it's uh, fine. We're, we're going to get all the fine. way to the other side. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah. Another negative tendency might be a present focus versus, um, you know, a more long view perspective. Talk about that. Yeah. Here, leaders, when they're faced with an immediate danger, they, they get seduced into managing and making important decisions quickly. And I got to tell you, I've been in that situation. There is a bit of an adrenaline rush and a high. You, you kind of go home and you go, man, I really did some good work today. Uh, but uh, if you get seduced into managing only the presence and you take your view off the long term, um, then you're going to miss out on anticipating what's likely to happen a month or a year from now and to be able to prepare your organization or your church for those things that are going to be coming up. So leadership is going to be more balanced, but it's really, really you're going to want to delegate most decisions off to your managers, and the leaders are going to be the people who are looking at how is this thing How is this danger going to affect us long term? And that goes back to taking advantage of potential opportunities that crop up. Um, Under every danger, there's an opportunity, at least one. How do we take advantage of that so that we propel this organization, this mission forward? This can be especially true in the churches. I'm noticing the churches, hither and yon, are starting to open up Vimeo channels, YouTube channels. They're learning how to do things online. Maybe they can. Maybe maybe our churches can do a much better job of seeing the church as a collection of people who believe in God and less focused on how many people are coming on Sunday morning. Uh, churches can can go viral in in a way that uh, 
that that you know you can have a pastor here in Maple Grove, Minnesota, uh, reaching people in the Xinjiang province of China, for example. Uh, unheard of if you look at the church as a physical construct, very doable with the internet and a non-physical construct. So that's an example of how this thing is oper- giving us opportunities in the church. I also observe, and this would be a self-observation, um, right, my desire for control um, might turn into micromanagement. Talk about that as the negative tendency and then what would the positive flip side of that look like? Yeah, so the the tendency to take control to micromanage to over-centralize processes and decision-making leads to uh, really getting an organization stuck because even minor decisions now have to flow through a central command. You don't want to do that. So what you want to do instead is to create order and predictability. You want to focus on collaboration and process. As a leader, you want to make sure that you have good order and good process in place and determine which decisions you, the leader, need to make and then delegate everything else. Uh, Leadership is about as much empowering other people to be their best and to grow them uh, control is is your enemy here if you hold on to it too long in the midst of a crisis. And if you hold on it too tightly, it'll, it'll kill your organization. So I had a, um, uh, I had a supervisor once who, um, I mean, I think rightly uh, described me as a person <clears throat> who liked to have her own head. Like, right, if you were going to describe me as a horse, I'm a horse who might like to have her own head. And yet, okay. um, and yet right, we recognize the need as Christians to not only be bridled, but to be, um, you know, to be trained. Um, but then once you have a well-trained racehorse, you should let it run. Yes. And so I think that the confidence that leaders can have in those whom they have recruited and trained along the way, you can trust that you recruited the right people, you trained them well, and you can, in the midst of this, kind of let them have their head. Let them run. Let your creative people create. Um, trust them to be working at whatever hours of the day or night work best for them in their homework environment. Like, trust that that's happening um, and don't try to over-centralize control. That's what I hear you saying. Yes. And, and honestly, if you're, if you're seeing your leadership in your church or your organization, your business, if they can't work effectively from home with each other and with you, then you haven't built a good management team. You just haven't. And eight hours of Zoom meetings a day um, is not good management because you can't actually do anything if you have to be sitting there with other people watching you the whole time. That's just weird. So if you're doing that to your people, stop. That'll be my stop it. Okay. That's right. Um, All right. uh, Bill English, thank you so much. People can find Bill at BibleAndBusiness.com. Thank you, my brother. Hey, thank you. Have a good day. You too. We'll be right back.